the host for Ion Security and FireEye's Chief Technology Officer. Joined today by Terry Vigarek and Nick Carr from FireEye's Advanced Practices team. We're going to be talking about Fin7. Uh, you may have heard about Fin7 in the news. Uh, August 1st, U.S. District Attorney for the uh, Western District of Washington until the indictment announced three arrests in association with uh, this group that FireEye has actually tracked for several years under the name of Fin7. And Nick and Barry are two of the really the world's experts in uh, Fin7. So, guys, thanks very much for joining us. Happy to be here. Either, either one of you can take these, but I, I thought. We have limited time today. We focused a little more on Fin7's targeting and how they uh, initially penetrated organizations. Um, who did they target, and, and why did they choose the particular sectors that they did? I can take that one. This is Nick. Um, yeah. So the, they they targeted uh, most of the organizations with the way we see most victims get targeted in general, um, using targeted spear phishing campaigns. I, I hope um, listeners would get a chance to check out the pretty robust blog posts that we put out on, on August 1st. And we, we talked about some of the, a bunch of the sectors. But to be honest with you, both Barry and I being involved in several of the incident responses, they really focused on um, restaurant hospitality and then uh, casinos and, and gaming. Yeah, I can, I can follow up on that. One of the interesting things with those industries in particular, the kind of techniques and folks that they were targeting in those organizations is it's uh, heavily focused on uh, the customer service parts of the organization. So for example, um, for the hotels that they targeted earlier on, they would uh, be um, communicating as if they were attempting to book large corporate events, trying to get ballrooms, 30 rooms. So really kind of enticing lure content for anybody that's in charge of booking at those hotels. Uh, and similarly for the restaurants, they would uh, they had some um, themes of catering or large orders, but also themes of complaints about the restaurant. Uh, the food made me sick. I left my bag in your restaurant. So really kind of um, attempting to capitalize on that customer service aspect, as well as targeting specific users within the organization whose regular duties are to open unsolicited attachments. So kind of a direct um, contrast against the spear phishing advice we usually give customers the targeted folks at these organizations were not in a position to not be able to interact with these unsolicited attachments. That's right. We always say, don't open attachments. We, you don't know the sender, but that, that's in fact your job. So it makes it tough. Exactly. You know, um, when I, I did read the blog post that Nick referenced um, and definitely encourage others to check it out. You guys wrote a, a section that really called out the professionalism, both in the targeting that you just mentioned, Barry, and the graphics that they use, you know, custom images and so forth. Does, does that vary a lot from some of the other contemporary groups that you guys are responding to right now? I mean, is Fin7 as good as the rest, or are they really a step above? So as far as financial attackers go, they've continued to be what we feel to be a cut above. They've been a financial group with nation-state level uh, techniques and a development cycle that was interesting and rapid and innovative enough for us that it really kept things interesting. We started to get a good idea of the size of their team just as you're responding to them. As FireEye was responding and investigating to intrusions conducted by Spin7 at a few organizations, simultaneously we would watch and try to keep up with and, and watch our products blocking their fishes at new organizations. So you, got, you get this real intimate understanding of the attacker and what they're doing, how, uh, how much effort 
they're investing. And then again, you know, the size of the team to see them conducting multiple operations um, simultaneously. So it's been pretty interesting here to see. Um, a big part of the, the August 1st release by the Department of Justice is uh, we've always tracked a lot of the personas, some of the individuals we feel are involved with developing their tools as we start to understand them. And we have a little bit of a section of that blog exploring that and providing how we identified some of the individuals, but uh, obviously nothing like Department of Justice facility here. And they released that Fin7 was actually operating fully as with a front company, um, a security company, uh, Combi Security. So they were operating locations and hiring various people, sometimes unwitting, that were working for, for Combi Security, uh, conducting maybe what they thought were, were red teams. And so it's just interesting to see advanced techniques that this group used. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I think the U.S. District Attorney's announcement even mentioned that Combi Security on LinkedIn listed victims as some of their former clients, which <laughs> pretty brazen, I guess. So, what happened then? Uh, you know, Barry touched a little bit on some of the specific types of lures where they said, "Hey, I got a stomach ache from eating at your restaurant. I left my luggage behind." Uh, what next? And what what types of payloads did they use to get into the victim environments? So through the first couple of years, they were pretty consistently using a JavaScript backdoor we call Half-Baked. We actually had DBScript versions of it developed as well. And just like Nick was mentioning earlier, we did see iterative development happening on that. They even tracked it with internal version numbers. So it was real interesting to see that kind of rapid development, new features being added to that backdoor per victim. Once the, they've established uh, initial access with that half-baked backdoor, then we would see kind of an interesting uh, grab bag of uh, secondary payloads, one of which being the, the famous uh, Carbonac backdoor. Um, but they also did a lot of kind of living off the land techniques. One interesting technique that I don't think we got too much into in the blog was that they would use built-in Windows uh, port proxy functionality to kind of uh, tunnel connections internally within a network and maintain access to segmented networks internally at a client, which we really hadn't seen too much of before. Kind of a simpler backdoor on the front end, but one that was receiving a lot of active development and then kind of quickly pivoting to a lot of different tools and techniques as needed based on the customer environment. Yeah, the, the use of, um, Barry mentioned a few different languages that their tools are written in. Their use of scripting languages and it was fascinating and allowed them to continue to update. There, there was a time where they were updating and testing different obfuscation techniques to evade detection every single day. And, you know, having this robust platform where they have um, uh, JavaScript-based backdoors where they can just, you saw tweaks and changes in the code at, at a very uh, rapid pace. once you deobfuscated it. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys find that that makes it, um, with such a variety of tools and constant changes, does, does it make it more difficult uh, to find Fin7 in a customer environment? Or once you've you know, got that set of tools and you see them changing, you can develop new ways to, to find them. Does it, can you continue to track them through all those changes? One of the cool things that we were able to do with Fin7 is do a lot of behavioral tracking. So once we realized how quickly a lot of the things were changing, we kind of pivoted out to be like, okay, what are the things that are being constant here? So we found some really interesting things like metadata and documents 
as well as some more lateral movement techniques that are happening in later stages of the intrusion that would not change as often. And those became great ways to track them by avoiding the things that we saw them changing more frequently. You know, the, the fire eye response um, approach is a challenge because we, a lot of us were interested and focused on protecting our customers from those initial spearfishes. But at the same time, we, we did a tremendous number of incident response engagements into their intrusion. And we would do those uh, most often at clients that don't have our, our products. And mm -hmm. so simply being able to detect what they look like when they're trying to get in the network isn't going to be good enough. And that's one of the things that we specialize in overall at FireEye, which is like we're going to have to be brought in and assume compromise or, or have it confirmed for sure at the point we're brought in. And so it is about detecting some of those methods that Barry mentioned, living off the land and blending in and looking like good system admins is pretty interesting. Right, definitely a more robust way to detect and I think also stresses why if I arrive, do we do email and endpoint and network. And I think it's probably a good example of the techniques that you guys observed over years of watching Ben7, probably applicable at every one of those vectors when you go in to help a company. So what do you guys see as next for Fin7? I, you know, I looked over the information about the indictments and the arrests. I saw that Fin7 members were arrested as early as January. And of the three that were arrested, uh, I saw a Sith admin, and what appeared to be like a glute supervisor, and another person who focused on you know, initial penetrations. Did you guys see any changes uh, in the group starting in January? And, and do you expect any changes going forward as a result of these indictments? Yeah, actually, one of the interesting things we touched on a little bit in the blog is starting last summer, we start to see a new uh, initial vector backdoor that Proofpoint actually initially blogged about called Battalore, targeting a, pretty much the same victim set in hospitality and restaurants. Uh, different JavaScript backdoor, but very similar functionally to the half-baked backdoor that we would uh, seen from Fin7 in the past prior to that, even use some of the same plugins to take uh, screenshots or um, initiate a reverse shell. So uh, we always had a suspicion that this might have been some sort of offshoot of Fin7 or um, them retooling in some way. And uh, as the traditional Fin7 um, half-baked backdoor activity slowed down, we saw this battle or uh, activity ramp up. And uh, so we've actually got pretty high confidence that this is kind of a newer aspect of um, Fin7 that has kind of either retooled or maybe an offshoot. And you know, given the apparent size of the organization behind this, it can become real difficult from our aperture to identify like, hey, what is actually controlled by the same organization? What's a developer that left and is starting their own gig? What's a third party that might be providing infrastructure or malware for this organization? Definitely interesting to see from that perspective this kind of slightly reflected uh, version of what they've been doing, but with a, a new backdoor. Yeah, we, in, in the blog we talked about what we might think occur, will occur as a part of the um, arrest, but, but Grady, as you said, some of them started in January, and so we're not, we're not really just pontificating. It's, it's, it's things we've already observed about maybe some of the subgrouping and spin-offs of individuals here. And being honest, like it's not as if we feel this activity will completely stop. We've still seen it. We saw it as recently as two weeks before the, the blog post went out. So individuals are continuing to operate as long as there's you know, non-extradition countries where these guys are at. The, the bulk majority of the activity in the individuals will continue. 
touch with you. one thing and we actually have a really good write-up of this up on our intel portal right now but uh we actually have seen indications that there's targeting of other industries and other regions of the world that we may not have had as much first-hand visibility on so we have a backdoor call that we call bird dog it's reported by some other vendors as Sockspot that's doing some really heavy uh interesting targeting of um, central asian and eastern european banks and former uh soviet states i'd encourage people to check that out if they're interested in some um Newer, different FIN7 activity. We slightly touched on it in the blog, but it really kind of didn't fit the theme of the indictment, so we didn't talk about it too much. But um, kind of on the theme of things we've seen them up to um, more recently. That's great. And that's out on our, our paid uh, eyesight Intel portal, right? Exactly, yep. Yep, good. And you know, on that note, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, you know, part of what we try to do at FireEye is take what we're learning in the field and get that right back into our products. And I mean, Nick touched on it a little bit earlier, but one area we've, we've really focused on a lot lately is making sure that we can detect the tools and techniques that groups like Fen7 use. And in fact, we've been successful in doing that with this group for several years now, uh, both across the email and coin and network vectors. So it's definitely something we, we focus on every day. So guys, I'd like to thank you very much for, for joining us today. Appreciate your time. And I appreciate too the uh, dedication over quite a, a bit of time. I was looking back on the blog and I saw you guys had authored blog posts on Fen7 back March, April of last year. So it's cool to look back and see how this one's evolved and kind of what it culminated in uh, with the indictments last week. So appreciate your work. 